So many sports to get to. There was a dramatic win in volleyball. You're going to hear some highlights from that as well. Cross country was in action. Tennis was in action. You had the Green and Gold World Series, which is wrapping up today in baseball as well. And, of course, the basketball teams, in addition to, oh, yeah, football. We'll hear some of the highlights, even though it was way back on Friday night. Some highlights definitely worth reliving, even though the Bulls lost that game to Cincinnati 45-28. Normally, we'd have a lot of post-game audio on this Monday show, but with all that happened, we're just going to give you some of the highlights and remind you that with the football radio show, you'll get plenty of Jeff Scott tonight, and then you'll hear some of those clips tomorrow. And we'll start off with the women's soccer team, unfortunately losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We told you that NC State was a good team. I probably undertold how unrealistic it was to expect the Bulls to just have an easy game on Sunday. But we tried to. This NC State team, last year you kind of toss out because the ACC didn't play a full schedule. But in their previous four seasons, they made it to the Sweet 16 three out of the four times, including their most recent run, which ended up in their highest final RPI ranking of 15. That was just back in 2019, the year that the Bulls made the Sweet 16. year before that, they played the hardest non-conference schedule in the entire NCAA, and again went 3-5-2 and two in the ACC, which was ninth place, but got into the NCAA tournament and made the Sweet 16. So this is a team that you can't really look at their record. Going back to 2016, again, they were 500 exactly overall, but that didn't prevent them from making it into the third round of the NCAA tournament. In other words, they are used to f- they are used to winning in the first round, and they did it again against the Bulls on Sunday. And the first goal, looking at it, there was a chance that NC State might have been offside, and if that doesn't get called, who knows what happens. But I'm not going to sit here and say that the Bulls should have won the game. If you watched it, which I did via many methods, ESPN Plus was showing the game. Of course, we couldn't have it for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. But in and out of the airports, NC State was the better team. And the Bulls did not have their control that they usually do. They got outshot in this game. Shots on goal were 5-2. to two. Annika Warner, who is their second leading scorer, tapped in the goal. It was a, a long ball up, and again, I think the initial player was offside. She gets it around Sidney Martinez, and then Warner was there to pop it home. And then you really knew the Bulls were in trouble. And with about 40 minutes to go, Jamise Joseph, who is their leading scorer, got a step on Cheyenne Dennis, and Joseph is just very, very speedy. And it got her in on goal, very decisive low shot that Martinez did all she could to stop, but Joseph gets her ninth goal of the season at 2 nothing. You're in trouble, especially if you're not getting many chances on goal. Great chance with about 25 minutes left. Vivian Bissett has been so great for the Bulls all year. Serves in a perfect free kick onto the head of Sidney Nacello, and you're not going to get a much better header and a diving save by their goalkeeper. And I mean spectacular save by Maria Echezareta. If that one does not get made and really... Nine times out of ten, that's a goal. It's two to one, and the Bulls have momentum, and maybe we're in store for one of our dramatic finishes. But that really kind of harkens to how this season went for the Bulls. They had a lot of dramatic finishes that you almost take for granted. But frankly, if any one or maybe even two of those results that they got early in the season don't end up going their way, frankly, they probably don't make the NCAA tournament. But they did. And unfortunately, they are out after one round. 2 nothing was the final score. 
the same day, by the way, that the other two teams from the American both won, and we'll give you details on the show around the American. It is a disappointing outcome for the Bulls, but still, it was a pleasure to work with these ladies all year long and broadcast their matches up until yesterday's, and kudos to all the players that played the full 90 minutes. Cheyenne Dennis, Vivian Bissett, of course, defensively, along with Paula Leplick, Sabrina Wagner, and Sidney Nacello. Usually gets a little bit of a breather. She didn't have that luxury on this day. There's future shows to talk about this, but there are going to be a lot of players that are moving on due to graduation, and it is going to be a severely different-looking team with Cheyenne Dennis, Katie Kitchen, Paula Leblick, Sabrina Wagner, who I just mentioned, and Sydney Nacello among the many that are moving on due to graduation. So I, th- I thought this was the team that was going to make a run, I'll be honest with you but they really did go up against a tough draw in the first round, and that's it. The Wolfpack, by the way, move on to Tallahassee next week where they will play against Pepperdine, and that was no easy task. Pepperdine, the fourth seed in the region, won its first game 7-1 to one against South Dakota State, and that was a team that had only lost three games. So even if the Bulls had pulled off the comeback yesterday, their next game would be against a 16-3-1 team, and then likely going up against FSU in the third round. FSU will be playing SMU, which, as we told you, got a win on Sunday. It's one of those things where I wouldn't mind being able to have been there to get some final interviews with the team, but we'll definitely talk to those ladies down the road. We are here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Football. Well, the Bulls had a wild start to the game. Two turnovers forced in the first four plays against Cincinnati. The Bulls also had a turnover in there, but the third one in the sequence of three was called, I thought, correctly here by Jim Lauk as a touchdown. Even though Christian Williams would be marked out of bounds, the Bulls would get on the board first against the number two team in the country. Empty backfield now for Ritter. Throwing near sideline, broken up, intercepted by the Bulls. Christian Williams, he runs it to the 30, cuts back inside to the 20, to the 10. Touchdown, USF! Christian Williams, the pick, the score. And this Cincinnati team, one of the best in the nation in the turnover battle, has given it up twice to the Bulls in the first quarter. So it's first and goal for the Bulls. We are still scoreless. Mangum the running back. Carter in motion. Mangum, left side, touchdown USF. That's six for the Bulls. Green lights are up. 14th time Jaron Mangum has been in the end zone for the Bulls. And one play later than we thought, USF is up in this game. But unfortunately, we got to see why Cincinnati was number three in scoring defense. The offense really didn't do anything else. They had one other first down in the entire first half, and it was 24-7 at the break. The defense was put in a tough spot of having to be out there on the field so often. If you look at the play count, it wasn't overwhelming. It was 39-28 favor of Cincinnati. But remember, the first drive for the Bulls was one of those awkward 13 plays, 36-yard drives where they tricked the Bearcats with some formational work on the fourth down on the punt. And that extended the drive, which ended up not resulting in any points. Total yards was really the true stat in the first half. 260 for Cincinnati. 39 for the Bulls. And the Bearcats start off the second half with a pretty easy touchdown drive. Eight plays, 81 yards, a little more than three minutes. 
and it's 31 to 7. So Cincinnati gets called for a pass interference, but truly the Bulls did not have a big play on offense. In fact, after a false start, it was third and 16 for the Bulls at their own 37. And at this moment, with about 10 minutes left in the third quarter, the Bulls had 41 yards of offense. This play got them going. McLean to throw, has a little bit of time, throws, it's caught, it's Weaver. He's got a first down into Cincinnati territory to the Bearcat 40. That's about 23 on that play, one of the best of the night for the Bulls. And USF has a first down. It was funny because if you follow me on Twitter, I mean, I'm at the game, so I have the big bird's eye view, and there were just not many receivers open, but this time Weaver was able to get into a seam in the zone. And really, it's not like Bulls receivers started running scot-free in this game. It was all about Timmy McLean making amazing scramble plays to help get them open. He would pass to Jimmy Horn for 12 yards, got it down to the three-yard line. Jaron Mangum scored, and it was 31 to 14. Then the defense came up with a three and out, and you don't have to have somebody getting open down the field if you're just going to run a quick little slant and it turns into 80 yards. This was the play of the game for the Bulls. Quick pass over the middle. It's caught. It's Jimmy Horn into the open field. Breaks a tackle. 45-50. He's outrunning everybody. Nobody's going to catch him. Jimmy Horn. 80 yards. Touchdown USF. No flags. And that's the play that everybody Every USF fan has been waiting to see from Jimmy Horn this year. There are not a lot of players in the country who you can throw a slant to, and that guy can take that play 80 yards. But Timmy Horn, I mean, Jimmy Horn is just one of those guys, and we've all known it for so long, but he just hasn't had the opportunity to. He's a special player, a bright guy, and he that's the reason he's starting as a freshman on this offense with so many good receivers. Great job by Timmy McClain finding his high school teammate. His first touchdown. Simply spectacular and something that we've been waiting to see. And it was funny, again, I have the bird's eye view, and I wasn't alone, to realize that after he turned it up, even though there were another 60 or so yards to go, that he was going to score. That kid, obviously, is special. 31-21, the score at that time. But on the next drive, Cincinnati would break off three plays in a row of at least 12 yards. They would end up scoring early in the fourth quarter. Bulls were down by 17 again. And then really a wild sequence of events. If you listen back to the ensuing kickoff, it just sounds, and I was there, like an uneventful call and play. But at the very end, and it was kind of obscured by a group of Bearcats, they were able to force a fumble. Marion Dollison lost his helmet and the ball. And you thought, well, so much for the fun. It's 38-21, and they get the ball at the 20-yard line. But... A goal line stop instead for the Bulls. Over center, right the running back. They hand to right. I don't know. Let's see. I think the Bulls might have stopped him. I think the Bulls got the goal line stand. It's going to be USF football at the one-yard line. The Bulls stop Cincinnati. And the ruling on the field is Bulls football, whether they recovered the fumble or not. USF would have the ball on a fourth down stop. Now, if it had been the first half, taking over the two-yard line did not seem like much of a big proposition. But on third and 10, McLean, a 22-yard scramble. Then 10 yards to Atkins, 13 to Weaver again on third and 10. 
McLean just making some great plays. We had that big third and 16 call for you earlier that got the offense going. After a sack, it was third and 16 again. Here's what happened. There's the snap. McLean straight back. Now steps up against pressure. Rolling left. Running out of room. Throws. It's caught on the far sideline. And that's going to be big yards for the Bulls. That's the first collegiate catch for Holden Willis. And it was a big one along the far sideline to give the Bulls a first down. Willis, freshman out of Tennessee, with his very first catch. It'll be first and goal for the Bulls. Got to go fast now. They're lined up and ready. There's the snap. It's McLean keeping it, puts the shoulder down, and he is in the end zone. Touchdown, Timmy McLean, two yards, and the Bulls tightening this thing up. Indeed, a 10-point game when it was, well, basically one yard from being a 24-point game. And then a stop for the defense at midfield, and this is when the Bulls had their chance taken over at the 7-yard line. They got an 11-yard run from Jaron Mangum on 3rd and 2 but on good pressure on 1st and 10 at their own 37-yard line, Cincinnati forces Timmy McLean into a tough throw interception. And the next play, it was a 55-yard that kind of had the feel of running up the score, but you can't really say this. 55-yard touchdown run by Ryan Montgomery. Cincinnati needed to score there. I think they would have kept trying to, but they weren't going to throw the ball. And frankly, I get it. I am definitely not going to say anything bad about Cincinnati. They are trying to impressed the college football playoff committee they were not going to take a knee there and I kind of fall into this trap you know of just looking at the final margin sometimes and I know the committee looks at it more than that but I was just glancing at scores and seeing you know Ohio State won by a lot but then I had to look did they tack on points at the end actually Ohio State did not by the way in their blowout win against Purdue they had 45 at halftime ended up with 59 but 45 28 was the final score in this case and much more on it on tomorrow's show we'll have clips from the jeff scott football radio show which again will air for the first time at 5 30 but we got basketball to get to the dramatic ending of the volleyball match you'll want to hear that as well as several other sports going on right now at usf athletics stay tuned this is bulls beat